Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, I'm in Cincinnati with the team, the team in question being the Padres. Sometimes I like to talk like Ted Leitner, Jay, where I take sentences backwards. Jay Posner, my boss, he's back in San Diego. How you doing? I'm doing well, Kevin. I'm, I'm very glad. As much as I would love to be at the Montgomery Inn having ribs in Cincinnati, when I, when I look at my phone and it says 88 feels like 97, I am very happy to be in San Diego. As I am most days, actually. But uh, how, how's, Is that how, what it feels like, 97? What's funny about that is I just came from, from Arizona where it was 100. And it was actually really pleasant. Now, a part of that is because is you brace yourself when you go to Arizona, right? Well, of course. Um, and, and 100 is far better than 120, which is what I think it was the last time <laughs> that I was there with the Padres. Uh, and I will say this. At least it was a dry heat. And I mean that, not in jest, because this place is disgusting. <laughs> In terms of the weather, right. very nice people, but but in terms of the weather, and it is supposed to. As I'm looking here, it is supposed to cool off as as you're there, and of course, it's there's also a chance of of rain. Although it doesn't look like tonight is hopefully too much of a danger, but after tonight, uh, good luck. Right, it's supposed to roll through before tonight's game, but uh, it's, it's in the forecast. I'll tell you what, it's been that way a few times. The Padres obviously haven't lost a game. I think our longest delay that that. that um, we sat through it was like 35 minutes or something. I, that was in uh, New York, and and before that it was like a 20 minute delay in Pittsburgh. And both of the times that uh, you know uh, rolled through those cities, it was like it was just like this. So the Padres have been very lucky this year, and you know what, probably will be this weekend. Well, I know that happened the last time. I think you were in Pittsburgh, where it was like, oh no, are they going to be able to get any of the games in? And and everything uh, everything breezed along. But uh, quite a battle you've got coming up though at. Uh, at Cincinnati tonight, I mean, the, the Padres, worst record in the National League, and the Reds are, are almost right there, 59 and 81. Uh, I, I was looking, I remember they were pretty good for a couple months, and I looked it up today. They were 28 and 22 in June and July. Unfortunately for them, they're 11 and 22 since that time. Um, their pitching is dreadful. I was amazed this morning as I looked this up their lowest ERA of any starter, anyone who started a game for them this year, and it's like nine or ten guys, 4.37 uh, is the lowest ERA of any starter. That's Anthony DiSclafani, Sclafani, sorry, uh, who pitches tomorrow in, uh, in that game. But they do have a good closer. Uh, Iglesias has done well, and, of course, they've got some guys who can hit. Uh, Joey Votto's not having the best year, but always dangerous. Suarez is having a fantastic year. Scooter Jeanette. And, and I do have to mention, Kevin, before we move on, one of my favorite players in baseball, Michael Lorenzen. Um, I saw him come in when the Reds were in town a few months ago, and uh, he's probably the best hitting pitcher in baseball that's not named Shohei Otani, who's not really a pitcher right now. Um, and he's six for 23 this year, but his six hits include four home runs. Which is which is just great, and he also has and he has an ERA just over three in like sixty innings. So it's not like he can't pitch either. So uh, a dual threat. He's from Cal State Fullerton. We should mention for uh, some of our Southern California fans who might have gone there, along with one fan I know in Ohio who went there. So uh, <laughs> um, what are you, what are you well, looking forward to this weekend? Now that the the Padres are uh, going into this hitters ballpark always- with their rookie pitchers. There you go. And it's there, you know, you mentioned the hitters. This is a great hitters ballpark. Um, 
and you got Eric Lauer going tonight, I believe Brett Kennedy tomorrow, then it's Robbie Erlin and Jacob Nix on Sunday. Correct. So always the rookie pitchers, and especially, hey, how are they going to handle a band box like this? So there's, there's always that. Um, Lauer obviously coming off the five hitless innings, what was he up to 81 pitches, which was far more than he had thrown in his rehab assignments, but man, he looked good, he felt good, um, so that'll be interesting. There, I'm looking for that. What about this, Jay? And we can talk about this, how these guys have played lately, but it's also bigger picture. The corner outfielders, there was a point where you said, Hunter Renfro, that, that's, who, that's definitely who I take if you have to choose between them, and they, they very well might need to, um, because, you know, what he's shown over a longer period, and, and uh, there's just many, there's much more upside to him, and, and I, I just, uh, that was, I thought it was pretty clear cut that Hunter Renfro over Franmil Reyes. Franmil Reyes continues to ride the waves of a rookie season, but show that he has the, the aptitude uh, and the ability to be a pretty darn good hitter. Jay, what do you think? Boy, that's tough because I, I just I can't give up on Renfro. Um, right. I, I just – you see too much of – too many good things. I think he seems to have had maybe a few concentration lapses, especially defensively um, this year, but there, there's potential there. Uh, you know, he's got, he's got a good arm, although it, it's a little scattered sometimes, but, um, Reyes is obviously limited defensively. I think he's, you've noted he's improved. Um, uh, but I, I'm sure there's, and I think you've also noted there's probably a ceiling there for his defense <laughs> just because of his, just right. his sheer size. Yeah. Um, right. his power is incredible. Um, when he hits the ball, I mean, he's probably, I, I haven't, studied all the stat cast stuff but i mean it there are times where you know you look it up and it's 110 114 i mean he he hits the ball very very hard um a lot i if you're going to make me choose i'm i'm still going to go with Renfro um you know i don't know that there's a way to make it work with both of those guys um right you'd have to look at what else you know, if you're going to, some of it depends on where's Will Myers going to end up. Is he going to be mm-hmm. a third baseman? This is addressed a little bit in your mailbag, which just went online today. Um, about, you know, Myers, somebody asked, could Myers be a Ben Zobrist type player mm-hmm. moving around? And, and sure, I could see, I could see that. Um, but if he's going to be in the outfield and Renfro is going to be out there, and I mean, is Margot still the center fielder? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's one of those calls. It's going to be a tough call, and and what's the tra- and what's the trade market? Also, I mean, you know, what yep. can, what can you get for those guys? It, it's 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 not an easy decision. Um, but in, it, right now, without studying all the ins and outs of everything, from what I've seen, I, I would stay with Renfro. And we haven't mentioned, you know, I mean, there's uh, you made the, the points of, of Margot and and uh, what's Will Myers, and and I do think they're leaning toward him being like the super utility who's bad is in the lineup, and then you just plug him in where you need to plug him in for a day. But I think that's where it's headed. Uh, Frenchie Cordero. Yeah, I didn't even get back to it. I knew I was missing somebody, and I, I left out Jankowski because I don't see him as a starter. But but Frenchie Cordero certainly is another guy uh, that factors in. To all this. And there are 15 teams that don't have their pitcher hit, and I just think that Fran Mil Reyes is, is is a is a commodity. Now, maybe not like just Fran Mil Reyes for somebody, but sure. the Padres are going to be you know packaging players, and they're going to be active uh, this off season. Also addressed in the mailbag, they they found out they're going to be just as active as they 
they anticipated because of some waiver moves that they made, where they put guys out there, they pulled them back, but teams were interested in these players. It just wasn't the right time to do it. I mean, the Padres expect to be very busy this offseason. So I, I just see that also tips the scales where Fran Mil Reyes, man, with the defensive liability, and he is. If, look, I hate to say that. The guy's really improved. But you take the guy out every sixth inning when he's already hit like two homers or he's homered in a game where you know he could homer next time. Right. That, you're just saying he's a liability. That, that's the fact. <laughs> no, I think that's true. And, and definitely in terms of a package, um, that's the kind of thing where I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the offseason and, and packaging you know, Reyes with, with a pitcher and – and seeing what you get back, maybe even they package one of the catchers. I mean, who knows? I mean, I I don't Indeed. think we're going to find oh, out. Absolutely, I don't think we're going to find out anything that we don't know about Mejia uh, in these last few weeks. Um, I mean, you know, his his first at bat was certainly not indicative. At least you would hope it wasn't indicative of what he's been. And, and you look at his numbers, and obviously it's not. But uh, no, but he fit in with the Padres with that at bat. No, that's that's true. I did notice, by the way, the Reds I think are last in strikeouts among their pitchers. So uh, maybe the Padres might be able to get some more bats on the ball this weekend. But uh, so Mejia is starting tonight. Francisco Mejia acquired in the July nineteenth trade for Brad Hand and Adam Simber. Uh, so so that's interesting. Also, you asked me what do I look forward to. Uh, well, sure. What are we going to find out? I don't know. Uh, but this is great getting this prospect in here. And you mentioned, yes, absolutely. Virtually everyone on this roster could be had in a trade. Uh, and, and you can make arguments about, you know, well, why wouldn't they be tradable or why wouldn't the Padres want to trade them? I'm not saying they want to trade everybody, but they they can be had everyone except Derek Cosman. Um, and so who's basically who's untradable any who's untradable. Anyway. Well, you know, I, that's why I, you know, I had the caveat. <laughs> I knew you were going to jump in. Jay. That's good. Um, but, uh, the catchers, absolutely. They could find a way to play both these guys. And believe me, <laughs> uh, if you noted, in, and I think I even didn't quote all the times he said it, Austin Hedges, and I believed him, was very supportive of Francisco Mejia coming up. But I think I quoted two of the three or four times that he said it. But every time he talked about him and what he brought to the team, you know what he mentioned every single time? The other positions that Francisco Mejia plays. <laughs> Just making sure everybody knows that, right? <laughs> I think it's great. We're going to see what he can do behind the plate. You know, he can also play third and outfield. So, <laughs> no, and I, I mean that's. And I do that, think that that's what Austin Hedges are on the team. That's what Hedges um, should say. I mean that. And, yes. You know, look, he's he's done a lot. He's he's um, he certainly improved his offensive game in these past couple months, and and he should look at himself as. As, yes. as being the catcher of the future and wanting to be the catcher of the future. But, and I think they see him as the primary catcher of the right. future if both are still on the team. And, and that's, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why you can't have both guys on the team. I mean, mm-hmm. A.J. Ellis has started, what, 42 games, I think you wrote? Yes, um, it's actually 41 at catcher, but I like to give him credit for the one he started at DH. It's his only okay, his but, career, for, but anyway, go but ahead. But still, 41 games at catcher, <laughs> and, if, and if he was going to be the guy... Uh, that was starting down the, you know, these last few weeks, you would figure mm-hmm. he'd get a few more in there. So he's going to start, you know, probably f- you would say 45 to 50 games at catcher. There's no reason that that can't yeah. be the case next year where Hedges starts 110 and, you know, Mejia yep. starts 50 or, you know, and, and they break it up, something like that. And then Mejia also works in uh, at third base and outfield. And again, just like Myers, uh, you know, the same, uh, the same type of thing. So I, I, I think don't there's, know there's definitely room for players. these guys. What's that? The Cubs 
are a phenomenal team, right? And they've won a World Series, and they have a lot of those players, and they keep replenishing. But, if, I mean, I know that you can look from afar, and, and I just get a little locked into the Padres, but I see what they're doing. But then when you go and the team that you're covering plays the Cubs four days in a row, and you see what they do moving guys around, you're like, Wow! Yeah, and you just you cannot pencil anybody into a spot, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, I know that one of the yeah. one of the criticisms of Andy Green has been, oh, he doesn't keep with a set lineup and everything. Well, I mean, how set is Joe Madden's lineup? Um, you know, guys don't know from there's Chris Bryant might play third base, he might play left field, he might play right field. Zobris doesn't know where he's playing. I mean, I I don't ever have any sympathy for the athletes in this situation. You know. You're a major league baseball player. You show up at the park every day, and if they tell you to play third base, if you're a third baseman, right fielder, or left fielder, you should be prepared to play any of those positions on a particular day, and you should be prepared to bat anywhere in the lineup. Although I still don't see why that's a big deal for for people. Is oh, a guy bats third or he bats sixth? Why should he care where he's batting when he comes up to home plate? He's he's in, he's he's batting. He's the batter. I mean, I I just I don't understand that mentality. Uh, and maybe maybe it's a big deal to some players, maybe it's not. But I, I just don't see why that would be a, a, a function of a player's mental approach that I'm hitting third or I'm hitting sixth. When you get up there, it, you're up there. Do do what you're supposed to do. Hit the ball somewhere, right? <laughs> it is a big deal to some guys. And and and. But I, here's I'll start out by saying this. I agree with you. I know that certainly the the new thinking baseball folks in the league agree with you um and there are players that agree with you now there are different things maybe you're asked to do more often if you're in a certain spot in the lineup there's another side of the coin both can be true certainly when i covered the game 20 years ago when i before i went took that sojourn on that other sport (laughs) um man guys were ticked off if they were i mean that there was no such thing basically you you were a number five hitter you played third base right your deal right um but things change you know Guys are getting used to it, mm-hmm. um, and you know you can maybe be a you can maybe wish that you were in the same spot every day, but they know that it's not. It's, it's incumbent. I will say this: not that this is what we were talking about, but it's something Andy Green is is good at, and it's something that players are very appreciative of. I've learned over the years from many players um, that he communicates. He might not say you're going to play left tomorrow, but a lot of times he does. Um, but he makes sure that he tells them before they see the lineup card, by and large. And, and, and that's really all they can ask for. Look, this is what we're trying to do. Here's why. I mean, not every time. Sometimes it's like, do what I say. But, like, Andy's pretty darn good at that. Right. No, and that's, and that's a good, you know, I think that's a good yeah. thing. And I, and I, I, I like the idea of, of, you know, guys moving around. I think the Dodgers, I think Dave Roberts, you know, the guy everybody wanted here. Yep. I think Dave Roberts has done that in L.A. I mean, you know. Bellinger was a first baseman. He was a center fielder. I mean, uh, you know, different Max Muncy's moved around uh, this year for for the Dodgers. Chris Taylor's another guy that that moves around and plays different positions. I mean, that that if I'm a player, that's a good thing. I I, I want to be in the lineup. Um, that's and- one thing that players, the guys I've talked to, that. Yeah, I'd like to be, you know, because there's a difference, Jay, between talking to a guy um, when he, he knows he's going to be quoted sometimes and when he's not, right? right but right. You, sometimes you just have to say, the recorder's off, I want to learn, right? And so there's guys that maybe they, they don't prefer it, but they also understand, I ain't playing if I don't learn how to play another position. Right. Um, you know, that's the deal. And we brought up the Cubs and the Dodgers here. And those are valid. Those are two good teams. Those are teams fighting for playoff spot all year, every year, right? Well, there's also this to add to the Padres. And this, again, a little off topic, but it got me thinking. It's sort of on topic. 
people ripping into Andy Green. Andy Green makes the lineup. But do you think he's not talking to A.J. Preller every single day about player development and that sometimes that colors how the lineup is constructed? Like, that's exactly what happens. Right, and I, I think he's talking to Darren Balsley as well, you know, in terms of the pitching uh-huh. that, you know, I don't think he's, he's just going willy-nilly on the pitching staff without <laughs> consulting with a guy who's been a pitching coach for as long as Darren Balsley has and done as good a job as, as Balsley has. So I, I think it's an organization thing. I mean, I know I was just reading something the other day. A lot of the A's players are frustrated Ooh, yeah. because they feel like, you know, the front office is, is running the show. But that's what yeah. that's how it works. I mean, that, that's I think the Dodgers, you know, somewhat Dodgers. do that as well. I mean, you don't think Dave Roberts <laughs> is talking to the – to the front office. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's an organization and that's what maybe, maybe the new wave of players will understand that a little better. But the idea of, of winning is it is an organization wide uh, function. And it's, it's not just, Hey, the manager says this and that's, and he's making all these decisions in a vacuum. I don't think that happens. It gets a little unfair. And I think this was brought up in the A's story. And it's something I think about all the time. The only guy who, has to meet with the media twice a day <laughs> right is the manager and so there's a lot of times he has to say things that he doesn't necessarily agree with but he's a team player that's basically every manager has kept his job more than a year <laughs> now speaking of front office and this was something i said i wanted to to mention I'm, I'm sure the front office had a lot to do or probably everything to do with brian mitchell getting another chance this week in phoenix greeted with horror by many Padre fans, which I, I, I'm not going to say I was surprised because, you know, look, a lot of things that fans in any sport of any team do, uh, you know, don't necessarily surprise me anymore. But I, I didn't understand the reluctance to put Brian Mitchell out there. I mean, the Padres, are, these games are not win or, win or else, do or die type of games. Brian Mitchell has had a couple months to get healthy or whatever was wrong with him to – work on some things, and to show that maybe he's a different pitcher. I mean, obviously the Padres saw something in Brian Mitchell to commit the resources that they did to him. So why not give him a chance and give them a chance to rescue uh, some value out of their investment and let him let him pitch a few games down the stretch? I realize the off days are going to screw things up a little bit, but to me it was kind of a no-lose situation. If he goes out there and he gets shelled, okay, look – Sorry, Brian, you're the same old Brian Mitchell, and we don't have any use for you anymore. But if he pitches, if he pitches a good game, which he did, um, then he showed that, hey, maybe there's something there. Now, you know, chances are there's not. I mean, but, but what's the, what I didn't understand the harm in letting him go out there and, and pitch, and I, and I would say that about any game that he goes into, you know, in the final three and a half weeks, is – Here's a chance to show that maybe the Padres can rescue something from this twelve or thirteen million dollars that they basically spent to bring him here. And you know, five innings in, he showed that maybe there's a little bit something there. Maybe, and he certainly deserves another chance. Okay, rant over. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you make good points there, <laughs> without a doubt, including uh, you know that there, there was no harm, and including that hey, you know, it may not work out. It probably won't work out. Uh, any none of us would be surprised. Now, look. He could uh, be a part of the rotation. He could pitch well going into the spur- going through the spring, and they could trade him uh, and get something for him, which they couldn't get a bucket of balls or a treadmill uh, <laughs> that everyone would be so fond of. Um, you know, uh, they couldn't do that uh, a few months ago. So, uh, absolutely. Now we both understand why. I mean, 
maybe not the horror in the, but, but that's just how we do things now. We aren't just a little upset about something. It's the worst thing ever. Um, so <laughs> right. we, we kind of understood the guy had stunk. I mean, just absolutely awful. But none of us really know about the elbow. Like he, he doesn't make an excuse of it. And it, it wasn't a factor in his starts, evidently. But none of us know about any other things going on. Mechanical changes. Obviously, he worked on what I would say looks like a slider. This two-seam fastball it worked really well. He didn't even have his best pitch, the curveball. So I, I thought that, you know what? It worked out well, and, and we'll see where Brian, Mitchell, uh, where Brian Mitchell goes. There was absolutely no harm. And I'll tell you this. I do believe that, of course, they invested all this. They need <laughs> they invested the whole Chase Headley money. They needed to see. But if they didn't think there was something redeeming, they wouldn't have done it. They do want to see their young pitchers. They thought there was something redeeming about Brian Mitchell. Right. And like I said, for one night, he showed that there was. And, and uh, you know, I don't know when his next start might be, just the way the schedule works out. But, you know, one of these pitchers, uh, you know, this weekend could get into could get into early trouble. And, and you know, we see him come out of the bullpen instead of a guy like Matt Strom, you know, who would normally, uh, who might yep, normally. Could, or, or I think that Andy is leaning toward Wednesday in Seattle. I think that's when it is. Cause, or uh, might be Tuesday, but I think he's leaning toward uh, giving him the next shot in the rotation and then see where it goes from there. But uh, because he did that, he does, he did what he did uh, in Arizona on Monday and he deserves another shot. And they, again, <laughs> need to see, all right, can that, can he do this two starts in a row? So. Right. No, I, I would, uh, I would agree with that. There we go. Excellent fun as always, Jay. Kevin, enjoy your, your weekend and the n- nice long flight on, uh, on Monday back to this, back to this side of the country. Uh, I don't think you'll Seattle. have to deal with heat and humidity with either heat or humidity in Seattle. Um, maybe no. humidity, but the humidity of the uh, of the cool kind. Um, right, and the forecast is clear, but uh, they also have a have a roof there. That's nice. They do, and it's so. a cool. I, I like the I like that ballpark. Have you been to that ballpark? I had been once a while back. I have not covered a game there, though. Yeah, I have so not I'm either. Just, I went. This is I great. Went, Both of these ballparks. I went once as a fan. I've not been to the Cincinnati. Uh, ballpark, but I've, I've been to Seattle as a fan and I enjoyed it. I like the fact that they have a roof that's really sort of just a giant umbrella, um, which is very fitting for Seattle because it keeps the, uh, it's still, if it's, if it's cool outside, you still feel it. It doesn't, uh, it's, it's not completely closed like it is in Arizona or Milwaukee or Miami where you don't feel the outside. So if it's going to be 55 degrees, then you play in the 55 degree weather. You just don't get wet. So, um, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Here's the thing. They keep some stuff open in Miami. You brought it up because it just has stuck out. And it's like, why? Because it's still humid in there. <laughs> they, like, it's always the humid. I think there's a week. I think there's a week in November where it's not humid in, uh, in Miami. But, uh, but that's about it. So anyway, enjoy, uh, enjoy your weekend. And we will, we will talk to you uh, early next week from Seattle. Awesome. I will talk to you later.